Ciao amici and welcome to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. My name is Kimberly Holcomb and for those of you who may be new, let me introduce the world famous <laughs> Tommaso. I don't know what I'm famous for, but I guess I'm famous. Everything. <laughs> yes. Anyway, he is my partner in life, my podcast co-host, producer, tech geek, and grazie Dio that you are here, especially on a hot summer day like this, keeping the studio cool while we record. Yes. Well, good to have AC in a day like this. Um, we were going to call this episode something different, right? We were going to call it Getting Snarky with Kimberly's Italy, but... <laughs> After discussing it last night, you thought the better of it. I wanted to actually call it a day with Grumpy and Gripey. <laughs> yes. I think he's saying all this because during the last few days, while we were discussing what this episode would actually involve, we became really frustrated with so much of what we were talking about. The disinformation on the web regarding travel, amongst other things, and just like blatant and outright false facts online and on social media. Mierda de, de toro. Um, okay, we brought that up a couple episodes ago, and it's not mierda, that is in Spanish, it's merda. i sorry, I took Spanish in high school. And French. And French. <laughs> and he still can only speak English. <laughs> that was cute. Oh, lay me on the slab to be cut up. Thank you. <laughs> we did both start to sound a bit snarky. We were really getting annoyed with everything that we were discussing about for this episode, so I changed the title, okay? We're still going to get into all the nitty-gritty, but I didn't want to put people off with that title, so here we are instead. And I will say, this episode is a bit of a mixtape. That was my analogy for those of you old enough to remember what a mixtape was. Excuse me. Yeah. That was my analogy in the car the other day. I came up with mixtape. Dude, we were on a walk yesterday and I came up with it. And you go, brilliant idea. Uh-huh. My God, you guys, he just tried to claim <laughs> control. Authorship. And, yeah. So anyway, a mixtape this episode is. But we just want to share the good and the bad about what's happening online and in real life this summer during the height of the travel season. Alora, let's start with the now infamous video of a young TikTok influencer who posted about the hardships of getting to the Amalfi Coast. She went on and on in this video clip describing how she flew into Napoli, then took a train to Sorrento, then stood in the 90-plus degree heat to then board a ferry with all her luggage to take that boat to Posey. She thought it was, she described it as manual labor. You're jumping ahead. She literally, with her nails. Oh, those nails. nails. Oh, those nails could have poked an eye out of four feet. She literally. And she did that, that finger thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was over the top, but l let me get there. Okay. Her dramatics and her nonstop hand motion with those long fake nails we just described rubbed everyone the wrong way. And she was mocked online because it went viral due to her theatrical delivery and utter lack of knowledge about where she was traveling to. So I saw the video, Tommaso actually sent it to me first, but I also read 
an article in The Guardian about this and why it went viral. And they highlighted people's responses to it. And the (laughs) best comment, I'm just going to repeat one. The best comment was, quote, warning, travel may imply traveling. (laughs) You know what? I should put a link in the episode notes to that Guardian article. Yes, it was really I will. So there'll be a link in the episode notes. Okay. Have yourself a cocktail, sit down and prepare to laugh. Right. However, what bothers me more than her over-the-top influencer theatrics was the fact that she didn't even do any research on her own as to how to actually get to Positano. She could have just taken the ferry from Napoli, no reason to take a train to Sorrento to then get on another ferry. She could have taken the bus, which is not ideal, Or she could have taken a taxi or hired a private driver. If you can afford to fly into Napoli, you probably can afford to hire a private driver. And when she did finally arrive in Positano, she found that, quote, there are no streets here. There's no cars. It's all uphill, dragging my suitcases. And that is when she said, with her nails, it's literally manual labor to get here. So I assume most people found it amusing to an extent, but it's so disturbing that this type of content or information is out there by endless amounts of people who really do not have any expertise about what they are allegedly promoting. Well, they're not promoting. They're just trying to become whatever famous. It harkens back to the last episode that he carved his initials and his girlfriend's initials into the Coliseum. Onto the Coliseum wall. Right. And he said, oh, I didn't know it was that old. Um, Okay. So now this week. Another girl did it. Two more people did it. See, that's what happens. This stuff goes viral. It's not a great thing to do. It's like the dumbest thing to do. And there's people out there that see something and they like think, I want to go viral. It's, It's heinous. It is heinous. Speaking of the UK, though, can I throw something positive out there? Sure. I'd like to thank all our listeners in the UK because in the past week we have gone into the top 25 on the Apple podcasts for places and travel in the UK. Dio mio! So thank you, all you lovely people from wherever you are. <laughs> okay. Very nice. Back to the knuckleheads. Okay. Well, actually, I think the timing of this viral video of the woman, young lady getting to Positano... The timing is ironic because in the past two weeks, I had three different clients that want to go to the Amalfi Coast. And they heard, because I have a conversation, a phone conversation, old-fashioned phone conversation, every single time with every client. And we got a lot accomplished in that call. So during the phone calls with all three of these women, they told me that they heard they should fly into Napoli and then take the train to Salerno and then get on a boat to the village of Amalfi or Positano. And that is a very roundabout way to get there. It's actually backtracking. Salerno is at the very southern end of the Amalfi coast, which technically, as we've described in previous episodes, it is not part of the Amalfi coast. But they, all three of these women, read that somewhere. So that just proves that information or misinformation, I should say, is out there everywhere. And luckily for these three women, 
I have them all being picked up by a driver at the Nopoli airport and taken to their villages. Easy, affordable, and the proper way to get there. And comfortable. Exactly. All right, back to the travel disinformation on the web. This is also disturbing. Tommaso? I just want to jump in here for one second. Travel today is not because of the amount of people traveling. It can sometimes be strenuous. The airfares are through the roof, so it's expensive. We view travel as an investment, whether it's a cultural investment or a pure relaxation investment, but it's an investment. And this is just like a lot of the information out there is like shilling penny stocks and as opposed to buying good investments. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. And we're not doing this to, to sort of dump on these people. We're doing it because this is our business. And it's really, when you see some of this stuff, particularly this next thing we're going to talk about, we're highlighting this for the simple fact that there is a ton of this out there. And as we talked about in previous episodes with AI, this is going to get I predicted it would create this flow of content, and guess what has happened, which is why we're going to highlight this one. And I spent some time doing a lot of research into it. Anyway, go ahead, dear. Well, I was about to say that he told me about a travel company based in Asia whose site he looked at because he noticed an article on Flipboard with the title, 22 Best Restaurants in Cranston. (laughs) Let me just... Hold on, hold on. I want to say... (laughs) Cranston, Rhode Island, in our little state, is a small town that is not known for tourism or any culinary reputation. Yeah, you're not. it's not on your top 10 hot list to go to in Rhode Island. Right. So they literally recommended in this article, the 22 best restaurants in Cranston, they recommended a place called Wienorama. That was actually in a strip mall. Okay, so Tommaso and I both looked at the website, and for the United States, they listed about 50 or 60 towns that most people, most Americans, have never heard of. And it's they're certainly not on the top 10 list. Exactly, but like he just started to say, for our little state, the clear choice would have been Newport, which is the tourist mecca, and has several, many, many good restaurants, or our capital city of Providence, which is very well known for its food scene and has culinary schools and universities. Right. And if you're looking for a little town, someplace like Warren, Rhode Island, which has got a lot of great restaurants right now, it's known for its food. Okay. But anyway, describe this, so, how, you, how you think this website is So here, working. here's what happened. Um there are a couple of guys in the Philippines who put this together and they go out of their way to actually tell you their content, how it's validated and everything else. What they do is they're using something like chat GPT or a version of that to scrape reviews. And they, their content is actually like one line sentences. They're, one line will make a whole paragraph or maybe two lines, which they're scraping this and putting it together. And when I looked at the Cranston one, supposedly from this travel writer, Blake Walsh, I'll get into this, give me a second to expound on Blake Walsh. When I went to the Cranston article, one of the comments was, as I was trying to wrap my head around why this was relevant, this is my go-to over time. That was a comment from 
a restaurant owner? No, this was a comment from supposedly Blake Walsh. Oh, I see. His go-to, who's a travel writer. His from go- the UK. You're not going to spend a lot of time in Cranston. It's your go-to. Yeah. Anyway, so when I got into this, I really looked in, into a deep and Blake Walsh, quote unquote, had published 25 on articles on July 16th. All of the same type of things, all of scrapes, images, all the scrapes of content, what liners. As I mentioned before, they go out of their way to talk about their content validation process and their editorial process. Well, guess what? They put a LinkedIn link to quote unquote Blake Walsh. It's a dead link. There is no Blake Walsh travel writer and photographer anywhere. It was pretty obvious to me what was going on here. I'm a technologist. I can I understand how these things are built. I understand how they're scraped. This is crazy what's starting to happen right now. The the capabilities of ChatGPT and all this of assembling this massive essentially garbage and putting it out as travel advice is crazy. And that's why we got so snarky. Well, the point we're trying to make is if this type of information, the 22 best restaurants in Cranston, Rhode Island, If this type of information is out there from a seemingly international travel company, what else is online that could lead you astray while trying to find legit advice for your own travel planning to Italy? It goes back to what you just said about the, you know, getting to Amalfi. (laughs) Right. And we just want you to be aware of these sketchy and misleading practices or this misleading information that's popping up even in a reliable platform like Flipboard. That's how this started because Tomasa and I both utilize and enjoy Flipboard. And that was the the red flag. Like, well, you know, Dio mio, if, something's, Flipboard, huh? if something's tagged, it can go in. If it's tagged exactly. travel or Italy. But, you know, the, you know, the real thing is here, again, going back to the investment in travel, we make an investment in you, our listeners, we make an investment so that you will have good content and good information. And it's, it's just, um, it, uh, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. We're clearly passionate about this subject, but that was all the negative side of what's online. The positive flip side is that you can search for people like me or travel planners or, You can find travel specialists highlighted by trusted publications like Condé Nast Traveler and Travel and Leisure. Also, you could sign up for newsletters from some international travel publications or follow them on Instagram. I think you'd be able to sift through what is more likely legitimate and well-researched articles written, hopefully, by a travel journalist and not artificial intelligence. And most importantly, you can always count on us for our podcast episodes that share the real deal, no made-up information, no exaggerations, no merda, as you said at the (laughs) beginning, no merda di toro. And obviously, for those of you that have engaged me to plan your trip, I plan trips for people that are completely personal and unique to every single client. Allora, let's get into the next topic of this mixed tape episode. After our op-ed section. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next topic, 
the heat wave that is currently taking over Italy. And just like last year's heat wave, it's oppressive. The European continent is heating up faster than anywhere else on the globe. And this summer's intense heat, which is coming up from the Sahara in Africa, has unofficially been named Cerebus, or in Italian, Cerebus, which is the Greek mythological creature. You know, the the dog, the three-headed dog, and he's always pictured, illustrated with jumping through fire with flames coming out. So Cerebus is the name of this current little heat wave, and I just read this morning they've got a new name for the next two weeks because this will extend through July. I don't want to be an alarmist, but scientists predict that the El Nino weather pattern combined with greenhouse gas emissions may make this a yearly event. However, maybe Europe will get a break one year and this excessive heat wave may move east or west, but this summer... It's setting records today in Rome. It's 108 degrees. Yeah, and it's all happening all over. In Florida, the water is 97 degrees. Off the UK, the water is five degrees hotter than it normally is. Speaking of my clients all over Italy, let me share that in the last few weeks, I have received photos just about every single day from these clients, and in particular, these three fabulous women who started in Roma, then went to Firenze, and finished today in Venezia. They fly out today. Their photos, I kid you not, I have them all on my phone, they show an evolution of sweat. (laughs) (laughs) They all had these really attractive sundresses on, and, you know, they're there for a good two weeks and so they repeat the outfits a few times and every time I'm like oh oh that pink that entire pink dress is drenched in sweat so they were still happy in every single picture smiling and you know just enjoying their trip but very sweaty and who I was about to mention my client and her two sons are in Rome today she texted me this morning about something and she mentioned, by the way, Florence, where they were yesterday, was 100 and something degrees and quote unquote, enormously crowded. Today, they're in Rome with 108 degrees. And finally, the clients I mentioned a few weeks ago in our episode on Lago di Como, the very nice and very fit couple traveling all over the country, hiking at every opportunity. Their photos are nothing but sweat, and they're very, very tan because they're hiking, but she texted yesterday and said they were about to start their hike above Menagio on Lago di Como, and it was 95 degrees, 35 degrees Celsius at the bottom. Imagine when they got to the top of the mountain. My suggestion to everyone traveling during the summer months with these heat waves is to get up early and see what's on your list. Go see what you want to see early, sunrise, 6, 7 a.m., and bring with you from wherever you're starting your trip very large portable water balls because there are public fountains everywhere. Remember, you see them all over Rome, right. many of them from the ancient aqueducts, and you will notice them, mind you, when you're really, really hot and thirsty. Have the bottle ready. Right. Standing by. And my other suggestion is to change your focus 
from your long lingering dinners and switch them to lunch. So all the non-tourist driven restaurants, they close about 2.30 or so during the afternoon so they can all get a rest as well and get ready for dinner. But I would make a lunch reservation for about 1 p.m. Take your time ordering. Take your time eating. Take your time drinking that delicious chilled Italian rosé. And then when the waiters politely ask you to leave, walk back to your accommodations on the shady side of the street. Take a little riposo, a little siesta. Then go back out again about 6 or 7 p.m. when it's a tad cooler and the sun's lower in the sky and enjoy everything that you didn't see or suffer through the scorching heat. And I'd like to throw in something here. History repeats itself. Um, I saw photos of people holding umbrellas while waiting to get in line to the Coliseum and other sites. Oh, right. And the woman who was waiting for the, actually someone to refilling a water bottle. But bring a light colored one. Go out right now. A light colored umbrella. A light colored umbrella. Don't bring the black one. (laughs) And it's like a parasol. And you can look like the people in the Maurice Pendergrass watercolors from Venice in the 19th yes, century. I looked that up after you mentioned it the other day. Yeah. And there, it's beautiful. He's quite good. He's a great watercolorist. Right? I love his work. But there were so many people, like so many tourists in the day. And well, here we are again. Those women didn't actually wear little sundresses back no. then. <laughs> no, they Talk had about long, that. exactly long <laughs> Flowing dresses right. with a parasol. Yes. All right. Finally, I have to say it isn't just Italy that is suffering through this heat wave. Greece shut down the Acropolis during the hottest parts of the day recently solely for the safety of the visitors. Spain is closing national parks due to the wildfires that they're just starting spontaneously because of these soaring temperatures. And the same thing happened in southern Switzerland. So I'm just thinking back to when we were in Lake Como back in December, and we looked up at the mountains, and there was very little snow. I know, right? This is real. This is sad. All right, so carrying on, another little hiccup to traveling to Italy in the height of summer is something we mentioned a few weeks ago, the labor union strikes. The most recent one was this past Saturday. And the striking workers included pilots, airport personnel, flight attendants, and baggage handlers. And the same client I just mentioned that was hot in Florence and is hot in Rome, she had a flight into Florence from Paris on this Vueling Airlines, and they canceled dozens of flights, but luckily not hers. So these strikes take place in several countries in Europe and the UK at the height of the season. So other European or English travelers are accustomed to it, but people coming in from elsewhere, like America, are not, and it is indeed frustrating. But these workers strike for a good reason, for reasonable living wages, and they realize that doing so during the busy tourist season is when they will get the most attention, and hopefully that results in higher wages. As a matter of fact, I just read an article on Euronews Travel that both London's Heathrow Airport and Swedish airports avoided strikes this past week by agreeing to terms of the unions. However, Spain, Germany, Belgium, and Portugal all have strikes planned throughout the rest of the summer. 
So, you know, we're going through the same thing here in the U.S., but not with airport and personnel and right. pilots. Writers and actors and right. streaming. So that's affecting Americans' TV viewing, but not their well, travel. Well, future TV viewing because production stopped. Oh, correct. We're not big TV watchers, so we don't know. We're not suffering but at when, all. You know, when the guy at the top makes $200 million a year and right. and, the, and someone just got a check for $0.16. Cents, exactly. Um, that part's true. All right. That was a teeny tangent. But we all are used to strikes. And unfortunately, when you're traveling in Italy in the summer, you do have to be aware of them and try your best to avoid them. They do announce them in advance if you already had an airline ticket booked and you can't change it for that date cross your fingers and hope that you're one of the 50 percent that does get in alora this is all kind of brutal but we wanted to share the good the bad and the ugly with all of you just for this episode but next week's episode will be more uplifting and full of laughs right tomasa we promise absolutely this one is about the truth and there's nothing wrong with talking about things that are actually happening happening now across the continent, and particularly people who we travel with. Bob Anne, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Grazie mille. Ciao, ciao. Oh, bravo. <laughs> Sounded so natural. <laughs>